Hi, and welcome to Sunday morning's River Christian Fellowship service here as we continue our study through the book of Genesis. This morning, we're in the book of Genesis chapter 20, so I want to encourage you to get your Bible as we, as we study together, as we follow along, how God uses people that he loves in spite of oftentimes their failures. I think this book will be a real encouragement for everyone, and especially in this time of shutdown and and uh, isolation, and sometimes we call it social distancing, we find ourselves sometimes a little bit alone because we don't and haven't had the friends around us or at least the closeness with people that we love that we once had. So this morning I pray that God's word will comfort your heart, settle you, and cause you to realize that in spite of the things that we do, and sometimes wrong, God still will use us each and every time. Why? Because he loves you, loves me. And that's why God continues to be faithful, even though sometimes when we're not. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And this morning, we just ask you that you would give us wisdom to look at your word and to understand and how your love transcends even our failures oftentimes. And so as we would study this together, may your Holy Spirit speak to us, cause us to remember these things, In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been studying through the book of Genesis. And we remember last week, chapter 19, God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we remember Abraham went up and looked on top of the mountain down in the valley because no doubt he probably, possibly even heard it. He could see the smoke ascending. And so he went up and looked over it, realizing that his nephew, Lot, lived in the city. Now, I believe probably Abraham realized that the angels that came by his house, telling him what they were about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, got Lot out of town, and and they did. And so we remember the story about Lot, and really, basically, because he picked wrong, and picked a wrong place to live, He ended up losing pretty much everything that he had. He escaped only with his two daughters and really the clothes on his back. Well, we go on in the story and we find now after that destruction, and we don't really understand this in chapter 20, verse 1, but let's look at it together as we look in our Bibles this morning. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south. Now, he was in Mamre for uh, probably about 20 years. And so now he uproots and he moves away. Some people wonder why did he move? And I, I really don't know. Maybe because uh, the reminder of those people that were destroyed uh, in the fire and brimstone. Maybe it was because the area, the climate had changed. Because even today, the once watered garden, the Bible says, like the Lord's garden, that Lot chose when Abraham and Lot could not coexist together because their flocks and their people were too large, that Lot went towards Sodom and Gomorrah. It says like a well-watered garden. By the time of King David, it was a desert. And it may very well be that something else happened in the environment there that caused uh, Abraham to move away. Maybe it was memories. Maybe it became unhospitable. Uh, we don't know why, but after living in a place for 20 years, he packs it up and he moves. And he journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Seur 
and sojourned in Gaar. Now, in this uh, Gaar, um, it, it was a, a, a land. It was a, a kingdom. In verse 20, it's interesting. It says, Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gar, sent and took Sarah. Now, again, um, 30 years before, uh, this was the same thing that, that Abraham had done again. And so now we find him, 30 years later, still lying about his, his wife being his sister. Now, it is true that it was the same father, but it was a different mother. And so some people say, well, he was only half lying. Well, the half lie was deliberately posed to deceive the king in making her think that she was uh, only his sister. Now, again, half lying is the same as full lying because it's always designed to deceive. You know, you see this sometimes. You go look at a used pickup truck or something and you open the hood and here's the motor all shiny and new looking. And you'll say, well, did did you rebuild the engine? Well, as you can see how clean the motor is, well, all he did was steam clean it off and buy a $2 can of spray paint and sprayed the engine and try to pass it off as a rebuilt engine. It wasn't rebuilt, no. But the deception is there to make you believe something that isn't true. And a lot of times people think, well, I didn't really lie. No, but you really didn't tell the truth either. And this is exactly what Abram did. Now, something you have to remember, his wife is old now, 90 plus years old and still very beautiful. Now, there's a lot of commentary on this. Why would a king who could really have his choice of any girls in the land want to pick, uh, want to pick Sarah? Now, Abraham was uh, uh, probably, uh, uh, at this point, very well-known and probably very rich. Uh, we know that God had blessed him, and so uh, his, his fame went before him. But when he saw, the king saw Sarah, he goes, I want her. Now, again, a 90-year-old woman, maybe somehow in the ability for her to have kids, which she was past her time to have kids, maybe God did something supernatural. I don't know, some Holy Ghost plastic surgery or something. I don't know. But whatever it was, she was, she was major babbage. And, and Abimelech, he, he knew this. And so uh, Bimlech, um takes her as his wife. Now, sometimes people say, well, sometimes the harem wasn't just for sexual pleasure, but it was also a statement of, of um, conquering other nations or unifying other nations because, again, uh, one of your relatives is now in my harem. You're not going to attack me. I'm not going to attack you. But whatever it was, and from the first, 30 years beforehand, we find Abraham falling back into lying again. Now, the reason I look at this is here is this man of God, which God had spoke to of you, I'm going to make a great nation, gave him, gave him face-to-face contact with God more than three times, or at least three times, and yet we find Abraham falling back in the flesh. 
And I look at this as kind of an interesting thing because God picked Abraham knowing that Abraham would fail and still picked him to be the father of a great nation, to be the one that the Messiah was going to come through. And yet God still chose him, which ought to give you and me great hope that even in spite of the things that we've done wrong, God still will use us. Why is that? Because there's only one you. God made you unique. You don't look like anybody else on this earth. No one's ever been you like, like you ever before on this earth. No one will ever be like you ever again. And the reason why is you're unique. I don't know how God takes two eyes, a nose, and a mouth and makes everybody on this earth look different, but he does. It's an incredible thing that he does. But that's why, and that's because you are unique, and that's why you are different. That's why one of the things I really believe that's great about America is that we, we, our founding fathers recognized that we were endowed by our creator. We're not like in a communist government or a socialist government or a, or a progressive government where you're just one of the millions of worker bees advancing the state. Not at all. You, you are uniquely and wonderfully made, the Bible says. Again, no one's ever been like you ever before. No one will ever be like you ever again. And so it's important then that we find out from God why we're here. God, what do you want me to do for you? And this is really part of what becoming born again is. Because God borns his spirit into us. Now no longer am I, am I flying through life blind or getting my inspiration, my unction, my direction of life from others, from media, from something else. But I'm actually getting it from the God who made us. How much better is that? That you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven that's not ever going to fade away, but that God's purpose for you is eternal. I like that. Well, anyway, he lies to Abimelech. Now, friends, again, this is amazing. We find oftentimes in Jesus's ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find the Pharisees coming and chiding with Jesus saying, well, our father Abraham said, like he had arrived, that he never sinned or anything like that. Well, when you really study the life of Abraham, it isn't because Abraham was good. It was because God was good and overshadowed him. I, I think that's real important to always realize where your my goodness comes from. Well, you know, I'm just a really great guy. You know, I wash my teeth with shiny bright. Well, that isn't going to buy anything. You see, a lot of times we think Goodness is some way generated in ourselves. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. Well, that ought to give us a lot of relief because I know then that I can't generate any goodness that I need and certainly to get me into heaven. It has to be given to me by something bigger than me. That's what God's about. That's why God endows us not only with natural gifts, but friends, supernatural gifts, to further the kingdom of heaven. So it says in verse three, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man. Now, this is kind of a bad dream. You know, people have often asked, do dreams mean anything? Well, friends, sometimes they can. Sometimes it's pepperoni late night on your pizza. It'll give you bad dreams. But this particular dream was much different. And when you find ultimate and intricate details in a dream, 
I believe they can be from God. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, it says, In the last days, your young men will dream dreams, your old men, uh, excuse me, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. And I believe that God supernaturally has a way of getting his message out to people, even those that don't believe in him at this point. Now, remember, Abimelech is not a professing godly person. He's a king of a nation. And as we're going to read here, we're going to find he was a good man. But God appears to him in a dream and says, you're a dead man. Well, why is that? Because he says, because the woman whom you have taken, she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And so he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, speaking of Abram, he said, did you not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself, said he is my brother? So it tells us that they were both lying. (laughs) This is bad. This is collusion, friends, that they both lied together. One was saying, yeah, he's my brother. The other one says, yeah, he's my sister. And it says, in the integrity of my heart and the innocency of my hands, I have done this. He said, I didn't do this on purpose. They lied to me. Now, here is a interesting picture where we find a person that is not making any claim to God really in a more righteous posture than a person who claims to know God. And not just him, but his wife also. So this picture gets more and more strange now as we read on. I I think this is one of the really kind of unusual chapters in the Bible where it really shows us sometimes the depravity of people who serve God. Now, we know the depravity of people who don't know God. We we understand that. That's kind of what you expect out of a worldly person. But when you find people who know God, and wow, God still uses them. God still keeps his promises to them. Now, remember, at this point, Isaac had not yet been born. And this was the promise that through Abraham and Sarah, that the the uh, the Jewish nation would be born, and through them, the Messiah, Jesus, would come. And yet we look at the poor performance, spiritually speaking, of Abraham, daunted by fear. And so he lies again to Abimelech and says, oh, she's my sister. Well, why? The last time he did it, well, uh, they'll, they'll kill me and take you as as their wife. I got to tell you again, at 90 years old, for this girl to be this cute, this was some supernatural anointing, supernatural blessing in a person's life. Now, something else that I think is real important. Sometimes it isn't just looks. In fact, as we study life, you'll find out most of the time it isn't. Have you ever been around a person that Well, the world may not think they're a tin, a super fox, but there's something about them that is so sweet and so desirable, you just enjoy being around the person. Uh, you, You can have a cloudy day, and they walk in the room, and all of a sudden, you just know it's going to be better. I believe that is the countenance 
that God instills in his own. And I believe that all of us have the potential of being that 10 in God's communication process. And you say, well, Micah, I'm not very good looking. My teeth aren't real good. I'm, I've got some wrinkles. My, my, uh, you know, my health isn't all. God doesn't, that isn't what makes a servant of God a servant of God. What makes a servant of God is your relationship with him and how he changes us from the inside out. And for whatever it was, Abimelech wanted her as part of his team. Now, friends, as we look at this, God speaks to Abimelech in a dream and said, you're a dead man. The woman you've taken is somebody else's wife. And Abimelech says, look, I'm innocent. They said that she was a sister. I didn't know who she was. Look what it says. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. By the way, God sees it all. He said, I see that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also will withheld from you sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Isn't it interesting how more happens, I believe, in the spiritual world than oftentimes we think? Here he took Sarah into his harem, but for whatever reason, God arranged the circumstances so that Abimelech did not touch her. Now, think about this for a minute. Through Sarah as well, there was going to be a, a, a great nation to bring forth Messiah. Imagine, at this point, remember, she did not have any children. There was a promise she was going to have children. And now she's in Abimelech's harem. Wow, now what if something would have happened there? She could have been the mother of two nations. Oh, all of a sudden you begin to read how God and his watchers were very concerned about this chain of events brought on by Abraham that had no faith, fear of, fear of death, and yet God remained faithful. You know, sometimes we think God just, well, you know, Abraham, you're, you're a goofball. I'm out of here. I'll find somebody else. But again, there was nobody else like Abraham. There's nobody else like you. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, God, you'd never use me. Look at the times I messed up. But it seems that God specializes in that for a specific reason. One, it was God. And two, people oftentimes look and say, that guy's a goofball. How in the world does God use him? As an example, as a testimony that if God would use somebody like that, hey, he can use me too. See, in the book of Jude, it says these things were laid down in the Old Testament for our examples, both good and bad. So it's important that we understand why these things are written the way they are. So he said, therefore, I did not let you touch her. I think that's amazing. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife. Now, notice this is weird, friends. He is a prophet. Restore the man's wife. Now, now, he just got done saying, Abraham lied to me, his wife lied to me, and God says, but he's my prophet. And so, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, 
Know that you will surely die, and you and all that are yours. Pretty stiff um, commandment here. He said, if you don't restore, you're dead, and everything else you got is dead. It's funny when God wants something, how he insisted upon it. You know, it's funny a lot of times people think, well, I've messed up God's will for my life. No, you haven't. Because if that was possible, it would have been messed up right with what we're reading. Oh, but friends, but wait, there's more. Wait till we get up here a few more verses to the conversation with Abraham and Abimelech. Oh, friends, it gets crazier than that. Let's look. So he says, so Abimelech rose early in the morning. I bet he did. He probably didn't sleep after that dream. Called all of his servants and told them the things that were in his hearing. And every man was very afraid. Because again, God not only said, Abimelech, you're dead, but everybody else around you is too. So Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? Now, again, I think it's always a troubling thing when the world rebukes a believer in God. What have you done to us? Instead of Abraham being a blessing to Abimelech, he almost turned into be a curse. What have you done to this? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and my kingdom this great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Wow, what a rebuke from the world to a godly person. You've done things you ought not to have done. Now, at this point, I imagine Abraham felt pretty bad. But what's amazing here is he doesn't apologize to Abimelech. He makes excuses. And excuses are always a great indicator of a hardened heart. When God said to Adam and Eve, why did you eat of the tree? Well, that that woman you gave me, Adam said. Why did you eat of the tree? Well, that serpent. Never I'm sorry. And so notice it says, you you should not have done this to us. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? Give me a reason. What did you have in your mind, he's saying? What were you thinking to do this to us? What did you have in your view? That's kind of a new slang expression, ain't it? What did you have in your view? Well, basically he's saying, What was in your thoughts? What was in your mind to be doing this? What were you thinking? Now, notice what Abraham says. Now, friends, we move from rebellious servants to the twilight zone in this next couple of verses. Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on account of my wife. Now, this is what he said before, 30 years before. So it's interesting how easy it is to return to our old ways if we don't walk in the spirit. But notice he says, because I thought the fear of God was not in this place. Well, (laughs) Abraham, the fear of God was not in you. Isn't it funny that we can recognize what's wrong with someone else, but we can't recognize what's wrong with us? 
Well, you know, I thought you were going to kill me and take my wife, you know. Now, this is the excuses. And friends, this is where it gets El Bizarro. Verse 12. This is El Bizarro, verse of the week. It says, But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, God caused me to wander from my father's house. Now, by the way, there's six different words in Hebrew for the word to wander. This is the most severe of all the words. It's like literally I was uprooted and I didn't want to go. Now, this is bad because he's blaming God for him being separated from his father's house when being interrogated by really an ungodly king concerning his wife and him trying to take her into his harem. Man, and the Jews would say to Jesus, our father Abraham taught us. Wow, you know, I would think that if they spent any time reading Genesis in the, in the Torah, they would have said, um, maybe we shouldn't brag on Abraham too much. But wait, it gets worse. <laughs> the, you know, you can't make this stuff up. So, and it came to pass that God caused me to wander, literally uprooted me by force and took me from my father's house. That's what God did to me. This is what Abraham is saying. Caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he's my brother. You know what he's saying? We lie to everyone. <laughs> I look at this and I go, man, there's hope for all of his friends. If God will use Abraham after he says, hey, why have you done this thing? And don't worry about Abimelech. We lie to everybody. You think, wow. And, and this is what God uses. Sometimes when I look in the Bible like this, I realize, man, God must be hard up for people to serve him. That first of all, he'd pick somebody like this. And then to be honest, he'd pick somebody like me and you and anybody else that would be out there. Now, why is that? Now, get this, get this. Because God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. The first thing is, God wants to show you that he's bigger than the things you've done wrong in his restorative process. But he also wants to show others, like you and me, reading this story right here, that God is bigger than the things they did wrong, and yet God still used them. How many times in our lives have we just felt, I'm not worthy? And I mean, when we're, when we're not just being sadistical, we're just saying, I'm not worthy, God. Why, 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 why me? You know, I, I talked to a really well-known pastor one time. And we were just kind of out hanging out together. And, and, I, and, and I said, well, when you get to heaven, what are you going to ask God? And he looked at me and he just said, 
Why me? And I thought about that for a minute because, you know, it's true. Why me? Why you? Is it that we did some great, marvelous, wonderful thing that God says, oh, you're so cute, I'm going to pick you to be part of my team? Or is it just God just said, I don't know why, but I just love you. You know, it's interesting, then all of a sudden we get a better understanding of John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Yeah, the same love that he exemplified towards Abraham. And really, interestingly enough, friends, Abimelech in that dream that God spared him. And and, and that, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him would not die, perish, but have everlasting life. Not just in the sweet by and by, but right now. You need everlasting life right now. That's, that's what God's about. So notice he says here. So he said, wherever we go, we say, he's my brother. We lie to everybody. Now remember, just previous to this, God told Abimelech that Abraham was his prophet. Here, Abraham says, we lie to everybody. Wow. Then Abimelech took sheep, oxen, male and female servants, gave them to Abraham, and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, see, my land is before you. Dwell wherever you want. Now, why is that? Because he recognized the hand of God on Abraham's life. Remember, if you're a Christian today, people see the hand of God on your life. They may not like it, but nevertheless, the hand of God is on your life. And they will go out and try to replicate how God has used you in their own steam, if you will, their own dollars, their own education, only to have it all fall right right on their face. Because it isn't you, it isn't me, it's the God behind us. Abimelech recognized that. He goes, personally, you're kind of a flake. But I recognize the God behind you, and he's not... Go live wherever you want to live. Doesn't that make you feel good? That in spite of our shortcomings, God restores us. God heals us. God blesses us. Are we, oh, well, look how good I am, God. You just got to bless me. No, actually, I find that in, in the midst of my stinkiness, God still blesses me. Why? Because he loves you. And friends, God doesn't have favorites. God so loved the world, that whosoever, are you whosoever this morning? Are you in the world? Then you're part of what God reached out in his redemption plan for if you'll believe in him. Now, what does believe mean? Well, I acknowledge God. Yeah, there's a God out there somewhere. No, that's not what it's talking about. Even the demons believe and tremble, the Bible says. Believing means putting all your faith, hope, and trust, your guidance of your life in his hands. That's what makes you a believer. Because you recognize that things aren't randomly happening to you. And as it says, God said, I kept you from touching Sarah. Wow. Now think about that for a minute. 
God stopped Abimelech from touching her. How'd he do that? I don't know. Maybe he had a headache. Maybe he got called a special council meeting, being a king. I don't know. Well, I can't be with you tonight, dear. I'll have to catch up with you tomorrow night. And God hits him with a dream. See, friends, remember, when you become a Christian, God begins to use the circumstances around you as he controls them. Before you're a Christian, it's random happenstance. Um, Even when you think you're winning, you're losing. But when you become a Christian, God meters into your life the things that should be there and the things that should not be there. This is a great picture right now of how God will use us in spite of ourselves. Now, does that mean we should just go out and sin so God can use me anyway? No. Because sin never does me good. Sin only hurts me. But remember this, God is bigger than the things that you've done wrong. And so notice verse 16. Then he said to Sarah, Now this is rebuke from Abimelech, I believe. And I think it's interesting the way he words it. Notice what he says in verse 16. Then Abimelech said to Sarah, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Notice he didn't say your husband. He said, I'm giving giving your brother. Wow. Kind of burns it in, doesn't it? I'm giving your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before the others. And thus she was reproved. Wow. It was a reproof. It was a rebuke, if you will. Because, now notice, in the rebuke, notice this, in the rebuke, he still blesses Abraham. But he had some words with her. He said, I'm giving this to your brother. Wow. You look at this and you realize, how big is the God we serve? Last verse. Or the last two verses. So Abraham prayed to God, and he healed Abimelech, his wife, his maidservants, And then they bore children into them. So evidently there was some interruption or something going on. He wasn't there very long. So there was something that was interrupting or they were sick or something. And so God healed them when Abraham prayed for them. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow, you look at that. He wasn't there very long, so I don't know how this happened or what was going on there. And so when we look at this, interesting story in the Bible, how God uses people like Abraham to do his will, like you and me. There's not a single excuse that we can offer God. Well, God, you know, I want to go do something for you, but, you know, I can't right now because I got my excuse. Oh, we might rehearse our excuse to our friends and rehearse it in front of a mirror. But God doesn't buy it. And um, God help us from being rebuked by the world so that we can truly be about our 
our daddy's kingdom. You know, that's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from me. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want, oh God, look what I did. Look how good I am. Look at I'm Captain Shiny Buttons. But God says, I'm going to do something in you that you could never do yourself. But there has to be a willingness for God to do that. Now, that doesn't mean we may not fall down in the process. The book of 1 John, John chapter 1, the Bible says, if we sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, which is Christ Jesus. Good news. You need good news. And that's what being born again is all about. We repent of manipulating the circumstances our way, and now we let God work the circumstances to further his kingdom. Everybody's going to serve somebody. I pray today you're serving Jesus. If you're not, we're going to pray right now, and you could ask Christ into your life. And so let's pray. And, and, and if you're distant from God, maybe you're raised in church, Sunday school, and, and you just believe the lie of the world. And the one thing you know, you may not know a lot of stuff, but the one thing you do know, you're not happy. I don't want you to have another 10 years like you just had, or 20 years, or 30. God can give you a brand new you today. That's what he specializes in. And he's bigger than the things you've done wrong. Oh, Mike, you don't know how bad it was. Listen, Abimelech could have took Sarah and Abraham out. I don't care what happens to me, Abimelech could have said. I'm killing you guys. You guys are flakes, but God protected them. And God's protected you to this point so that you would hear this message that God loves you and turn your life over to him and then build the kingdom of God and get a reward in eternity rather than dirt in your face and eternal separation and torment. The Bible says in a lake of fire, it doesn't sound fun to me. Well, I'm going to hell where all my buddies are. You won't recognize them with their faces burnt off anyway. Better to be right with God. So we're going to pray. If you want to get serious with God, you mean this. Short prayer, but it's where you turn your life over to him. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I repent of the foolish, silly way that I have lived. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I ask you to make me the best I can be for your kingdom. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. He took away my sins. And so, God, now I want to be your child. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a love for the lost and for you. And give me boldness to speak. And so, Lord, thank you. And thank you for writing my name in your book of life where I get to live with you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jesus said, except a man becomes a child and not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't make it hard. Isn't it great that he didn't say only the pretty ones get to go to heaven? Isn't it great that God didn't say only the ugly ones get to go to heaven? Isn't it great to, for God to say only the poor ones or only the rich ones get to go to heaven? No, whosoever would believe in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning I pray. You prayed that. If you did, I got a couple of books I'd like to give you. Uh, God of Wonders, as well as, as uh, a couple of DVDs. God of Wonders and uh, Evolution versus God. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you one. I'll send one to you. As well as a little book called Time to Grow. Those will help you in your relationship with God. Just start reading in the book of John. If you already have a Bible, start in chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 3, 
and just start reading. Learn your father's voice. My sheep, Jesus said, know my voice. How do you know God's voice? By reading his word. You hear God's Holy Spirit speak to you as you read. And that's a neat thing. So let God do that, and he'll do that for you. And then get baptized. And by the way, anybody who has been baptized can baptize you. Uh, and and uh, so, but find a church that believes the Bible. That's one of the neat things about the little book called Time to Grow, because it covers the basics of Christianity, which should be in the church that you would might find if you're not in the southern Idaho area, where you can actually go and and uh, uh, fellowship as soon as the everything gets uh, opened back up here. We're going to try to get open here in the next couple of weeks um, in, in June. So we're looking forward to that. But being about your father's business is so important. You know, letting your light shine. The Bible says to pray every day. Pray without ceasing. Be in fellowship. Read his word. And you're going to grow. And your life is going to change. And the things that we used to do for fun, you're going to find, why was I doing that? That was stupid. It was costing me a lot of money and wrecking my health. You're going to find God's going to do new things in your life. You know what God does? Works from the inside out. Oh, years ago, the church always thought that, well, if we could just get these people in three-piece suits and stuff them in church, they're going to be good people. Nope, never worked that way, never will. Because God changes us from the inside out. It's where you realize that God, not religion, friends, not, well, look what I do, look what I don't do, blah, 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 blah. It's what God's doing in you. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. I pray that um, in this time of lockdown and crazy stuff going on, that you'll, be, um, that you'll be safe in his arms. And remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's bigger than any problem you have. Trust him with it. God will see you through. And for all of you that have been walking with the Lord, keep going. Share your faith. A lot of A lot of lonely hearts out there, a lot of broken hearts. And so I just want to encourage you, share your faith. Be about your father's business. He loves you and he wants to bless you. And again, don't let the devil say, well, look at your past. You know, to God, it didn't matter about Abraham. Shouldn't matter about you. And I still think it's funny that oftentimes the Pharisees of the day would say, Abraham taught us or our father Abraham. I don't think they really studied what kind of a rascal he was. But God still used him, and God will use you and me. So being about your daddy's business, that's what it's all about. Our Father, which art in heaven. Always remember, God's got a heavenly view of what's going on in your life. Father, for every one of us that uh, today, for those that said yes to you, may you warm their heart, pour your Holy Spirit all over them, and let them know, God, that they're loved by you. And Lord, for those that are walking with you and love you, Lord, may you open the doors for all of us to share what you have given to us, that faith in you, the hope of glory. And Lord, we anxiously await for you to come in the rapture and take us home. And we look forward to being with you forever. And so, Lord, keep us now. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. And so until we're together again, may the Lord keep you safe. Again, be mindful of his coming. The Bible says, behold, I come as a thief. I come quickly and my reward is with me. So we want to be looking for the caught up, as the Bible says. Look for that. 
And again, until we're together, may the Lord keep you, keep you healthy, keep you happy, and keep you blessed. In Jesus' name. God bless you.